Hello and welcome to the Macho, where we get to sit down with entrepreneurs and creative spirits from around the world. You can find me on Instagram at Ahmad Mia, A-M-A-D-M-I-A-A-N, or at The Ahmad Show. In this episode, I sit down with Suleiman Haddad, a French-Syrian chef living in Dubai. Suleiman talks about the importance of taking chances. He talks about how sometimes the best thing in life is simply figuring out what you don't want to do. So without further ado... Let's get straight to Suleiman. It, it's, it's been a bit of a weird, weird journey because I grew up in Dubai. So my, my, mom, my mom passed away like eight years ago, but my mom was French and my dad is Syrian. So uh-huh. I've always been like kind of like sat on two chairs, you know, like everything has always been undecided. Who, like, it's not as much as, as who am I, but it's like, I just got two different educations. So it feels like it's always been, it's always felt a bit odd for me. You know, I've always never felt like I'm in the right place. And it's like, you know, like, the way I, I say it as a joke, I say it to friends, it's like, I was raised by a French woman in, in Riga Street, you know? <laughs> so it's always been a bit confusing. Um, I always, since I was a kid, I've always been like inhumanly hyperactive. My yeah. dad, my parents thought there was something very wrong with me. I just loved it. Like, I just like, I've always been so hyperactive. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like, that's the background. That's the foundation. That's, that's who I am from my family side. But how did I get into cooking is I've always wanted to do something creative. I never wanted like a day job. I never wanted to have like a, like I never wanted to work in my family's business, you know? So I always, like I said, I want to do something creative. My family didn't let me do, uh, my, not they didn't let me, but my dad made fun of me once when I told him I wanted to do architecture. Okay. And like he said it, in joking and it really it's, it's always stuck with me you know it's always bothered me and i just didn't do and i never studied architecture do you and remember what studying, it was that he said he said you are unlike me you're too lazy to do architecture because my dad's an architect by okay. education and when he said that it just it really bothered me because it felt like the most inaccurate description of me because i feel like i'm a million things but i'm not lazy you know uh-huh. But I don't know that 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 stuck with me, and since then I've been I've always wanted to do something like creatively driven, and I remember I was really not happy in university because I really didn't like what I studied. I studied international studying? relations. Okay, international relations. Yeah, not yeah, my yeah. thing whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, knowing you, I don't think that's you at all. But <laughs> yeah, exactly, hundred um, percent. But also, me being me, I couldn't like let the exams get the best of me. So I used to study like seven hours a day just to make sure I get an A in everything, even yeah. though I despised it. It felt like torture, you know. Um, so three years in, I uh, I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. I have to like no, I have to find something else I want to do. And then, you know, MK, he, uh, you know, MK, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So a friend of mine called MK. He told me he was like, listen, why don't you just try working in in a restaurant? At the beginning was like the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard in my life. It's like. There's no way this guy's actually telling me to go work in a restaurant. That's so, so, that's so this random, was you know? serendipity and MK doing this completely. You had never thought well, of it yeah, before. No, no. Like, I remember also once when I was in grade six on the way to school in the morning, I asked my dad, hey, what do you think if I became a chef? And he like, he, he didn't make fun of me. He just started laughing. Like it was his natural <laughs> reaction. So it's like, like as, as open-minded as my dad is, at the end of the day, like the um, traditional aspect somehow got the best of him and he yeah. never really like, wanted me to spread my wings in the way I wanted to, you know what I mean? And I ended up doing it just as a test trial and it, for two weeks. And like by the third day, it wasn't like a decision I made. It was like a very organic feeling. It's like, obviously, it's, it wasn't like, am I going to do this? It was like, obviously, this is what I want to do from now on. This, this is from MK telling you and you're doing this? Yeah, yeah. So MK told me, get an internship in a restaurant just to try it out. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. I did it at Happy, which when it was okay. in Sarkal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the third day, it was like, it was just like, like I said, it was like, it was very like organic. It was, it was like, yes, this is what I want to do. Like, there's not even, there's no questioning it. By the end of it, I asked Paul, the owner of Happy, I was yeah. like, hey, which country school did you go to? And he, uh, he, he, he showed me, put me in contact with them. Next thing you know, I signed up for country school. That, Dude, that I, was, it's, that's yeah, incredible. What, one that's, that's insane. And, and like mad power to MK for like pushing you towards this. But <laughs> yeah. And, how did you convince Paul to let you come on that restaurant, even as an intern? You know, like if you have no background whatsoever, uh, what was that conversation like? That, yeah. So honestly, it was very, it was very normal because Paul's a very understanding guy. And he's like, he's the kind of person who like, he really wants people to understand what he loves to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so seeing a kid 
I, I'm assuming, obviously he never told me this. So seeing a kid that was like 21, he's like, hey, I don't know how to cook. Can I try to cook? And like for him, maybe it's all like a younger version of himself. That's like, maybe that's also that because yeah. that's his story as well. He went to uni, he didn't like it, he did cooking. So he just welcomed me. Like it was like within like three seconds, like, yeah, of course. Like it wasn't even Amazing. a negotiation. So there was that relationship. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Very, very kind guy. Very good food also. I still like, I mean, I remember when it was open, we used to go just for the ice cream and the bone broth and, and, and remember the, the, the mango popsicles. Oh man. So good. Such yeah, a, such 100%. a, such a, such an amazing place. Dude. Okay. So 100%. continue on from happy. This is your first kind of intro into food, international relations yeah. like left. And now you're starting this new journey and culinary. Actually food. international. It's international relations. I ha- I didn't leave. It's actually a very com- complicated story, but I can get into it. It's, <laughs> It's, uh, it's just a bit of a roadmap. So I did the internship at Happy. That was exactly three years ago. That was the first yeah. time I ever set foot in a professional kitchen. And then I got so obsessed with the idea of cooking that I dropped out on my last semester of university. Wow. Okay. Did not know and my family was like, are you, you're actually crazy. What are you doing? I was like, I don't know, man. It's like, I remember I used to get panic attacks at night because I was like, now I know what I want to do with my life. And like, I'm stuck in uni and I don't want to do this. And obviously, like at the time, I also knew it wasn't a rational decision, but it was like, I felt so suffocated by uni. And I just like, I was like, man, whatever, I have to, I have to, I have to stop for now. And I just dropped out. Then after that, I enrolled in baking school in Tokyo. Okay. And I, I did it in Tokyo on purpose because the same baking school was in, in France and in UK. I did it in Tokyo because I wanted to eat in Japan. I wanted to just explore, you know? So I went to Tokyo for three months. I, during the morning to the early afternoon, I'd be like in baking school. And then by nighttime, I would eat in five restaurants every night. I used to walk, not take wow. metros, okay. to not gain weight. <laughs> so sometimes, honestly, it's true. Sometimes eating is a bit of a chore. It's like, man, I, it's like if you're, for example, like a journalist, right? And you want to write something to learn, you read. But for 100%. food, it's, you have to eat, you know? And unlike reading, there's a cap to how much you can eat at one given point. So sometimes I'm like so full and it's like, no, I have to continue eating and I just take notes. It's, how does it taste? How, what's the flavor combination? Because you're looking at your palate and, and uh, how to improve your palate and, and take as much in as you can, right? And then if you're really not passionate about something and you start forcing yourself to do something over and over and over again, you, you get sick you're of it. You're going to hate it. Yeah, you get sick you're of gonna it. You're going to hate it. You're not 100%. 100%. So, so the fact that you're like doing this religiously eating in these restaurants and, and kind of building yep. your palate. That's in, incredible. So how was that I experience? Like, I have this like very specific, like, like this very specific thing that I do, which is like, I will always make sure I like absorb as much information in a given time. So it's like, okay, I have 24 hours today in Tokyo. I'm going to be sleeping for eight. I'm going to be awake for 18 hours or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight, 16 hours. So I have school for six hours. The, re- the last six hours, I don't want to be at home. So it's like, I would curate what restaurants I'll take notes. I'll take photos of everything just because I wanted to make sure that I wanted to get as good as possible, as fast as possible. And the best way to, the only way to do that is to just absorb everything, like squeeze the, the, the lemon dry from each experience, you know? So it was to answer the question you just asked, it was very tiring, but it was amazing. Like, I, I just want to go back to Tokyo and just like eat everything again. Not in the metro. <laughs> Dude, man, like I spent a month in Tokyo and the breadth of food, yeah. like going to Izakayas, the experience, the restaurants, like ramen bars, all of yeah. these places, the food is incredible. The people are incredible. Yeah. It's insane. 100%. So, and that's a very like intricate kind of cuisine that you're learning, right? And now I'm yeah. just putting into my mind half Syrian, half French, which are also very intricate cuisines, French with your sauces and and, and the different kinds of things. And then Syrian with the the grills or like every other thing that kind of comes in in, in Syrian cuisine. There's a mishmash happening with you. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's really cool because, because that also kind of like defines in a way who I am. Because like I said, I was raised by a French woman in Riga Street and my dad was Syrian and I was like very heavily influenced by my dad's side. So I when I think about who I'm, who I am or what, what my identity is, yeah. the question of like, the question of like, where am I from? It's not part of my identity. I don't care where I'm from. It's never been something that bothered me. It's like, I don't want to feel French and I don't want to feel Syrian. I'm, I'm just me, you yeah. know, the, the building blocks, the Lego pieces of my identity, like a nationality has no role in it, which I think is pretty cool. That's so awesome. It's always actually. been a mishmash. Yeah. Because I mean, I would say not all, not, not just, 
a, a couple of people. I think everyone goes through this, especially living over here, right? Like I was born and raised 100%. here, Pakistani, 100%. but like we're living here and then going to Canada and spending life in Canada as well. You, you, you go through this mishmash. Um, and it's, it's, it's always like to, a two-pronged approach of how you kind of take it. Either you become very patriotic and you try to like go and discover your roots or like at least I'm trying to figure out like the Pakistan element of me. Or yeah. you're able to kind of really absorb that globalization and all of these different things, which I think we all do to some extent 100%. and bring it in and, and knowing I, you yeah, and, go ahead. And, and seeing your food as well, that, that is like the epitome of what you are and how you kind of bring it out. Um, 100%. I, yeah. I, I think it's incredible, but now like, okay, going from baking to experiencing Japanese food, what were some of the things that you were trying to take from it? And what was in your mind? Like, were you projecting that, okay, I want to get into this creative business. I want to become a chef, not a cook, but a chef. And I want to absorb as much as I can. What were some of the things that you were taking in? Like, what were some of the things you were noting down? What were some of the things that you, as you're going to, to baking school, you're learning and you're, as, how are you processing all of this? Knowing what you know, being from where you are, what were some of the things that yeah. were going through your mind? I mean, if we're talking specifically to Tokyo, the first thing is like, wow, I have no idea where I am. This is amazing, you yeah. know? And it's like, Japan is like a second version of, of like for me, the, the way I see it is like Japan is another version of the world. Like, it's like everything is the same, but done differently. 100%. So it's like, man, I'm learning how to use a toilet differently. Like that's how, it, that's how like to the detail, everything is different. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience for me, you know? I mean, just to, just to see that. Um, but sorry, I'm not sure I understand exactly what you meant by the question though. Like, sorry, could you just, Ask it again. Yeah, I, did, I don't really get exactly in detail what you meant by the question. So what it's, a bit, you, it's a bit of a, like, a wide question. What were you taking out? Like when you were going to each restaurant, what, what were the things that you kind uh, of yeah. wanted to take Got out you. from like your notes? And then how yeah. were you processing it in your mind as what Suleiman wanted to take from this and build? Like what was your okay. goal? Yes. So my goal, like, I'm sorry. Like I used to be really shy about this, but it's like, it's always been the same in my head. My goal, and I have, I have no idea how to do it, but I know that as long as I'm working, I'm on the right tracks. Mm -hmm. My goal is somehow, somehow, I don't know how, and I'm sorry if this sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Through food, I don't know, maybe one day I'll learn enough from food and one day I'm like, you know what, to hell with this, I want to be an architect or I yeah. want to be anything. I want to like, drive a ship, like, I don't know. My goal is to just use my skills and the experiences I learned in my life to in the future have enough agency to change the world for the better like in any and every single possible way. Like as long as I can have like, like an impact that is, I don't care if I cr get credit for it or not, you know, as long as I can, with my life, I can use the time I have in my life to create an impact that is strong enough that it is, and, and positive enough that it positively impacts the maximum number of people, then like I'm, I can die happy, you know? And I know it's a bit intense, especially me as a 24 year old saying this, <laughs> but I don't know why this like this, this kind of thinking I don't know where it comes from. Me and my brother think this way, but it's been hard, hardwired into, into the way, you know, like we, we, we think. So for me, it's always impact, 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 you know? So it's like what I was taking out of it was everything. I'd go to like two ramen shops a day. Okay, this ramen, I, like I'd order the exact same ramen, right? Okay, this ramen tastes better than that one or that one tastes, they taste equal, but that one is better in its acidity. That one is under season. And like all of these like small comparisons, for example, like, I would take into account, oh, wow. So I know, for example, like if I add like this much like soy sauce in this kind of dish, I don't know, for, I'm just saying random things. Mm -hmm. like, for example, I know it's going to work better. Why? Because I just absorbed everything, you know? I even used to do this thing where it's like when chefs are not looking, I look at how chefs behave because I'm like, I'm 21. I need to learn everything fast. So I, I would just look at how chefs behave. Because how they behave is telling of their experience. So if someone is a good chef, I would, I would look at how they behave. Yeah. Even when I watch like YouTube videos of like chefs that inspire me, like, or of their kitchen, I don't look at the chef's face. I look at the kitchen. I look at the corners of the table. Is the table clean? How do the chefs chop? Why do these chefs chop this way? Um, wh what, are the, what are these guys wearing? So it's like, for me, it's like, I just absorb everything from everything that I can from every, literally every video I watch, every book I read, every meal I eat. So this, this doesn't only apply to Japan. It kind of applies to all of my experiences. And hopefully I just can take all of this energy, like, and, and this knowledge and hopefully one day, like, like, you know, 
send it back to the world in the most impactful and most positive and most helpful and inspiring way. Because I think that one of the most, and this is often overlooked, yeah. the best way to, to help someone is to make someone feel inspired and to make someone feel like they're worth what they're doing. Because a lot of the times when, a lot of the times people don't have enough self-belief and that's maybe because of their surroundings, you know? But when you, when you can make someone believe that they can do something, that, that gives them much more answers than just providing uh, a, a superficial help. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I see it. Maybe it's strong, but that's how I've always Dude, seen it. I, I think that's incredible. And that's insane amounts of insight. What you just said there, I think is, is, is super you. important and it is super insightful, man. Like it's a really cool way of, of, uh, of looking at the world. I think that's amazing. And, and <laughs> the fact that you're doing it through one mechanism or one, one medium, which is cooking and bringing people together. Yeah. I mean, I think, look at the fact that what is a meal, right? Like you can start to reconsider what a meal is. I mean, that's being done as we speak right now because of COVID and, and people being in their homes and, and the, the advent of dark kitchens and the stuff that you're doing with, uh, with warehouse as well. It's, yeah. there are a lot of things happening around food and around how people kind of interact. Right. And then when you have a mission, like the mission that you just spoke of, of, of impacting yeah. the world for the better, how do you, look at the, the, the kind of the scenarios of what's happening around the world and, and still are able to kind of innovate to achieve that, right? And there are ways of, of creating experiences in your home via ghost kitchens, yeah. which I don't think people are really looking at and trying to do. I think it's just like making money and quickly like commoditizing food. Or there's yeah. the complete opposite of making safe spaces and, and harboring conversations and stuff that's, that, that you're doing with the warehouse, and doing just like, okay, six people, fine, it's not the world, but you never know who's gonna be at that table. You don't know what kind of conversation 100%. can happen at that table. So it, it kind of starts to make sense of what you're trying to do. And I think that it's a really beautiful kind of narrative that you're trying to build. Actually, and, and I think that that's why what we're doing at Warehouse 16, actually like in, my, in the current iOS version of who I am, you know, I feel like it, <laughs> it, it, it fits perfectly because for me, it's like, I'm just 24, you know, so I want to have the maximum impact, but I'm not someone that's been like head chef in a, or executive chef in a kitchen of like yeah. 50 people for 25 years. Yeah, yeah. You tell me, Hey, listen, I want you to be the boss of four, four or five junior staff. I'll tell you, I, I know I can do it gladly, but tell me, Hey, 20, 30, 40, 50, I can't. So it's a very good way for me at my young, younger age to dip my toes into kind of like this kind of like environment. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's also good because I get to interact directly face to face with the, with the customer, which is amazing because I always say this to my staff, like always, always, always. I say this, I say this to the pot wash because I, I want everyone. I don't care if you're the server or the pot wash or the chef under me or my marketing guy, everyone receives the same treatment. Everyone receives the same kind of conversation and everyone receives the same advice, which I hope inspires them. Maybe sometimes they think it's extra, extra blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's really important because it's how you fine tune your vision in what you're doing. And I always say to them, as I always, I say this, I say, when guests come in, let's say like, I don't know, some lady or some guy or whatever, that person's an accountant and they're there. They have like a normal life and they come for a dinner. We want not to serve them just food. We want to serve them something that can, that can, that shows them something new. Like you came for the dinner the other day and I, I don't know if I said this to you. I was like, my goal right now, what I want to do is I want to show someone a new color. So it's like, new imagine you never saw the yeah, color. Yeah. And the yeah, color blue, yeah, imagine I show you something you've never experienced before. You're going to go home to your job tomorrow and you're going to go like, man, like you're not going to be able to forget it because it was something different. It was something inspiring and it was something new. And what I always tell the guys is like, how you work is always going to translate, even is always going to translate into how the guests receive the product. So if you like, if you provide the guests with a nine out of 10 product and you work like crazy to get that nine out of 10 guests are going to appreciate that 10 million thousand times more than 100%. if you gave a 10 out of 10 product, but you just did it like from like just easily, you know, whatever people appreciate passion and people appreciate inspiration and hard work. And that always pours on to, to guests. So I think that having guests face to face in warehouse really kind of like is very beneficial to what we're trying to do now, especially for me at my current version. I, I agree. Like, I, I think that's amazing. Like not just the insight that you're going to get, but the insight that the, that the people take away from it is incredible yeah. because again, it shows the, the detail and, and, and the depth that you go 
to give the experience yeah. that you're trying to give, right? Like at the end of the day, like a meal can be an experience or a meal can just be, oh, I need to eat because I am this version of myself and I need to eat for the fact that I am a human and I need to eat and whatever, whatever, whatever. But with a mission of impacting, that experience again becomes much more important. And that is felt by the, by the guests. Even yeah. like, even like, like, you and I didn't get in, in the conversation in depth as much as we, as we are now when you came for dinner the other day. But I'm sure that knowing what I'm trying to do from two days ago, you're not surprised that I'm saying this to you now. Because yeah. I'm sure you felt it to an ex- extent, you know? 100%. So that's that, exactly. So people, it, what you're trying to do always rubs off on people. So it's like, this guy is a 24-year-old kid. He's not going to have the biggest impact now. But I can tell that this is what this guy is trying to do, you know? And also, when you have a bigger picture or a bigger vision that you're trying to move towards, it's very good for you because you, a lot of your questions that you would usually ask yourself are answered because the, the answer is the bigger picture. How do I get to that big point? It's not how do I solve daily problems. Yeah. And it's, I don't know how to explain, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm not doing a good job at explaining it, but it's like when you have a, when you focus on something much bigger than what you're doing from day to day, it, a lot of the small day to day issues that you deal with, like, like in operations and in work and in kitchen, you have the answer to that problem. I don't know if that was... No, 100%. They become easier, right? Like they become a, yeah. a lot more inconsequential than the bigger issues because yeah. you're, you're, what you're trying to achieve is bigger. Um, and you because have, the why is always there. Yeah, exactly. You I couldn't have said it better. It's always answered. So, okay, let's get back to your, your trajectory now. We've, yes. w- you're in Japan. We're learning how to make bread. Why did you want to learn how to make yeah. bread? Uh, I have this... this, this, this this, this uh, very uh, odd habit since I was a kid where if something is risky or it scares me, that's when I am attracted to it. That's what I want to do. Like, like when I was, I'll, I'll tell you a very weird story I did when I, something I did when I was 11. I went, we lived on the ninth floor in JBR and I went over the ledge and I stood from outside of the building. Like my feet were on the other side of the ledge and I was holding the balcony railing from behind. And I just wanted to know what it would look like to look at the floor from that perspective. Okay. And then when I, when I said this to my mom, obviously she, 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 she got crazy. She, she went to a therapist to ask why I did that. And then the therapist told my mom, it's like, because your son has this weird aversion to not taking risks. Like he always wants a challenge. You know what I mean? So I know that's a, that's a, the long answer, but that's what got me into bread making. It's like, okay, 21, I have no idea how to cook. And what is the hardest thing that I can think of that to cook? It's like, oh, bread. It sounds like rocket science. Yeah. So what do I do naturally? I, I put all of my, like, uh, like my uh, allowance my dad gave me into buying books and like bread making equipment. And that was it. From like the moment I got back home from university to like 5 a.m., I'm just making bread. I'm reading books. And it's like every day I'm tasting. Okay. Yesterday was more acidic in a good way. Maybe I should like leave it in the fridge longer. Maybe I should add more salt mm-hmm. to bring out this kind of toasted flavor more, whatever, you know? So... That's a, that's a long answer, but that's kind of why I got into bread because it that's seems awesome. so hard. No, okay. Now on this point, what, what's amazing for me and, and, and I'd like to kind of get more from you on this is, yeah, you know, a lot of people these days, they don't necessarily know what they're doing or if they're doing something like they've studied and they want to continue on that journey and, you know, keep on that path. What I love is you didn't freaking study how to cook or, or become a chef or yeah. how to make bread or, I mean, you did now, but... Like, and you're talking about acidity, you're, you're talking about different flavor palettes and, and how things kind of go together. These are all, all things that you took because you were passionate about it, right? And, yeah, 100%. And, and because I was interested. And you were interested, exactly. But like finding that and really doubling down and going and going crazy at it, like really, you know, like I really think that once you find what you're like meant to do or what you're... What, what you're really kind of interested and passionate about, you like excel. And that's case in point with you, like from three yeah. years and the, the amount of learning that you're talking about and, and where you've, you've been and, and to where you are today, it's, it's incredible, right? Like it's, it's that yeah. in itself is inspirational. I think it's incredible what you're doing. So, you okay, so bread, mo- bread making, let's go from bread making to coming back here. Okay, so I, uh, I came back here, I got my degree. I actually, I like, I love Japan, but man, I got so homesick. It was like, cause like Dubai is like, I've lived in one city my whole life. So it's like the idea of living in another city. And I, and like, since I was a kid, like being away from whatever gives me the feeling of home makes me so, so disoriented and so uncomfortable. And I, I, obviously I feel like it's, 
it's the same for everyone. But I just felt so like I want to go back home. Yeah. I got I did my final exam the same afternoon I was on the plane back to Dubai. <laughs> I came back to Dubai. I just I was just here for like three weeks reading books, making bread recipes. I did a small pop up in Maison, and then I went yeah. to straight to culinary school in London after that. Yeah. So I was just here for no, for one month. Yeah. Okay. How was that experience in culinary school? That was one of the most emotionally difficult experiences like ever because it was like, man, London is a rough city and you don't yeah. realize how rough it is. You know, like, like I was like, yeah, man, London, I'm going to like go there. I went there. I didn't even rent a house. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to find a house in two days. Like I thought it was like Dubai. Like it's like a lot of the bureaucratic stuff is taken care of. You know, I was hopping hotels with like, all of my 40 kilos of belongings every night for two weeks because I made that decision, you know? <laughs> and I'm not surprised of myself. This is like the most Suleiman thing or a Suleiman predic- predicament to fall under. But like, yeah, and, and, and people in London, it's not that they're like not nice. Obviously, like people are people, but it's like the culture there is so much colder, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's very hard to warm up to people. So it's like, you, it, it can get very lonely living alone in a country, in a city like, like London. Yeah. So it was very rough. But it was also at the same time, it was like beyond amazing because I was after one and a half years of like biting my lips and just going through like university and like everything I had to do was like I was finally in culinary school, you know. So that was amazing because I learned the foundations of everything I wanted to learn. in culinary how, school. how long was that program? That was for six months. It was like um, like 10 hours a day for six months. Wow. Okay. It was an intensive program. So I, I learned I learned a lot. I learned pastry and savory food. So I can do both, but definitely savory is my, is my thing. That I, I, I prefer pastry less. And then you came back here? And then I came back here, yeah. What's the story? Came back here March 19. March 19. <laughs> From March 19, when was Maison started? When did you get into Maison? My collaboration with Maison? Yeah. Or, yeah, my collaboration with Maison started June, June 30th, 2019. 2019. It's so very, very close to... Yeah, very back. close to culinary school. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to put this on record because this is true. You know, you know Rami Farouk and you know what an amazing yes. guy this guy Dude, is. He's like, a legend. Yeah. And like he's been on the podcast. The kind of, and, yeah, and he's been on the, he's podcast. Been on the podcast. And he's just the, the kindest heart in the world. You know, like what I appreciate about this guy is that when he sees someone that he thinks that can do like something or that has potential, he's willing to take that risk. Yeah. You know, and it's like, this guy's not my dad. This guy's not my brother. Why is he taking this risk for me? Why? Just because he saw a kid that wants to do something that he believed in. I was someone that graduated from culinary school for three, mo- for three months. And he, and I told him, Hey, listen, you want me to make the menu in your restaurant? We can collaborate on that, me and you. And it's like, he said, yeah. And the next day I started and we started working on the menu, you know? And if I didn't have someone like Rami that was willing to take risks with me and on my behalf and at my uh, expense, like at his expense, but also like with a kid that he, that, that he's only known for two years, I would have never been able to be in warehouse 16. I would have never been able to have the opportunity to make the restaurant in Mizan. So everything that I've done in Dubai in the last years, I just need to say this is like in very big part because of Rami Farouk, which is like an amazing friend and like truly a brother, you know, I really, I really recommend people go and listen to this episode uh, to Rami's episode, because I mean, Rami is an exceptional human being. And if you are in Dubai, is it, it is he's an artist and an entrepreneur and just this this beautiful man that everyone kind of needs to kind of meet and learn more about because truly i think like a lot of the innovation and like really cool things that are coming from ground up that, that those are rami like the amount of risks yeah. that he takes and brings people together i mean who comes up with these concepts and and kind of you know is willing to take that risk uh, again, like you, you're, you're just coming and out of youth, culinary school. That, exactly. exactly. You're just coming out of culinary school. Yeah. And, and you know, like, it's not just, like, go, sorry, go ahead. That, like someone who's just come out of culinary school and, and you're just like, yeah, go ahead, make the menu for the restaurant that I've like paid so much and, and, and I'm building. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like, oh, like this guy has like 15 years experience working like three Michelin started restaurants. It's a kid that literally just did a six month program in a, in a school. So it's like, but for me, I always like, whenever people take a chance on me, it's like, it's like, it's a very, very, very heavy weight. Like, it's like, man, someone has invested like their own, t- like, like I'm, I'm, I, 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 I like to treat people the way that I would like people to treat me. So I, for example, I value my time and my investment in anything. If it's financial 
investment or, or emotional investment or like time investment or whatever investment, I feel like my time is very valuable to me. It's my most important resource I have. It's the only 100%. resource I have in my life. Yeah. So whenever someone gives me their time, and in addition to that financial investment, it's like, I feel this huge responsibility that I have to repay this person with like the best possible product that the current version of myself can provide. You know what I mean? 100%. So when we, like for sure, like this is, and I think that this is a must for anyone that like, that wants to start off as freelance. You have to understand the weight of the people that are investing in you. And that you have to understand that as a freelance, people are taking a chance on you as well, you know? And I'm very happy that, Rami, like I said, took a chance on me. And yeah, from there, we worked on the Mizan menu. We had this ridiculous uh, timeline that me and Rami put on our shoulders of 30 days. We're launching Mizan all over again. It's like, okay. okay. So <laughs> it took uh, 30 days of like uh, no days off or as like, as, as like with any busy project, working on your days off and 18 hours a day. And it's like, you can't even like think when you go to bed. And finally, we launched the menu and it was received in a way that I could have never expected how well received it was. It was like the first day we launched August 1st, 2019, it was 40, like six degrees outside. And there was a queue 10 meters outside the door of the restaurant for people to come inside and eat. And again, that is an investment that customers put into work that was, was in great part my work. So I, that was very important. That was very valuable to me to see like strangers that just follow me or just follow Rami and Mizan on Instagram want to come eat the food that I was yeah. part of making. Like, that was so like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that, 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 that the people would want to do that for my food. You know what I mean? Dude, it, it was, it's incredible, right? Like it's incredible to see the evolution from that to where you are today and, and the stuff that you've done in yeah. between. But like, yeah. there's a couple of things here where what, I, what I'd be curious to kind of understand is also like from then until Warehouse 16 now, you also branded yourself, right? As your, your Instagram profile, your branded it, you created a logo, you started doing bread videos. How was that experience making videos? Like what, what was the goal of making these bread making videos and stuff like that that you were doing while you were sitting at home? Yeah, I mean, during, mainly during lockdown, I, I was doing those. So it was, it was it's like, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? It's like, you just have to like, this is like me also replying to something you said earlier, which is you were talking about, um, sorry, I have really bad attention. So I zone out very easily. <laughs> <laughs> I get so scared all the time that this happens in dinners. And then I'm like, like crickets and there's the guest. <laughs> thing, which is, uh, sorry, could you just repeat your question? I'm really sorry. Like what kind of drove you to create a brand around what you are? Oh yes. Got and it. what you're doing. So, and- yes. hundred percent. So my Instagram name, cute bread boy, is both like a very big blessing and also a bit of a curse because it's such a nice, like cute, like catchy name. So it's like everyone like cute red boy, cute red boy, cute red boy. You know, like my ex-boss, like I worked in Inked after Mizan. My ex-boss, like he doesn't refer to me as Suleiman. He refers to me as cute red boy. He knows obviously my name, but he's just like making fun, you know? So it's really good because it's like a lot of people know me because my name is just catchy. Like if I say the word, three words, cute red boy, you're going to go home and you're not going to forget it, you know? Yeah. But it's like at the end of the day, I'm, when, I, when I think about it, it's like, I'm not cute red boy, I'm Suleiman. But... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like a, a curse and a blessing, but no, it was, it was like, I remember now what you were saying earlier about like finding your passion. It's like, there's has to be a bit of risk taking, but there also has to be a bit of testing, you know, like, it's like, I always thought that I wanted to make videos because I, I, I like talking to people. So I thought making videos would be a nice way to interact with people yeah. as well. So during quarantine, I was like, you know what to heck with it. I'm going to try to make food videos. It's what like everyone was doing. It, and I was like, I just want to give it a try and, and see. And the videos were good, but I, did not enjoy making them. I didn't enjoy do the, the process and I didn't enjoy the editing. So it kind of showed me like, it's like, it's the whole, the endless process of fine tuning who you are. It's like, Oh, I know I want to cook, but I don't want to make videos. Yeah. So it was, it was a learning, it was a learning curve, but not necessarily through failure, but by realizing that this is not what you want to do, even though you thought that this is something you want to do in the future. I think that's such an important point that you've just spoken about right there, right? Like, I mean, it's something that I go through all the time where you try a million different things and then you start to like cancel it out. Like, this is something that I've done. Okay, I understand it, but I don't want to do it. But it's it's that way of testing. It's that way of always testing. And I love how you kind of like refer to yourself as like version two of your iOS or whatever, because you, you are... like you are a journey right like you are a version of yourself that keeps on continuously improving and that's that's brilliant to kind of see how you work that way now and and yeah go on i was just gonna say it's like 
it's like if you want to be better in every way, you know, like in your interactions with friends, in your interactions with strangers, as a, as, a, as a person in charge in the kitchen, as whatever, you know, you always have to like see what fits for you and fine tune. It's like an endless process of fine tuning and learning and just wanting to be better in whatever, in everything, you know? So yeah, that's completely. Like, that, that was just, yeah. Dude, it's, 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 it's really fascinating, right? Like it's really fascinating to see the journey of, of how, like the different things that you've done and the th- different kind of ways that you've come to kind of fi- find out what your passion is and then the way, you're, the, the way that you're kind of executing that on, on, on that <coughs> yeah. right now. So one thing, um, so you, you went to Inked, learned Chef's yes. Table. Can I, can I just cut you off just one second? Because yeah. I feel like if any listeners, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I just want to make sure for, for the listeners, I just want to say one thing, which is so important because a lot of times people can like put themselves in a position where when they fail or when they, re- they do something that they realize it's not what they wanted to do, they feel like a sense of impending doom or like, man, what have I done with my life? Or, and I feel like it's very, I mean, I, I, that's what I do with myself. And like, obviously sometimes I still feel like, like I feel the burn of, of having failed at, at something. You know what I mean? It's not like, I, I, I feel perfect all the time, but I feel like it's very, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. I feel like it's very important for people to realize that, man, if, this, if you did something and, and you failed, like you learned something because by failing, you realize it's not something you want to do. Like 100%. me making videos, that wasn't a failure. People were like, please make more, but I didn't want to, it wasn't a failure. It, I didn't go home like beating myself up. Like, man, you know, it's like, now I know. So for me, I never look at a failure as a failure. I always look at it as a learning curve. It's like filtering out what I, what I don't want to do. Oh, I, 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 I'm not good enough at this or I need to work on this. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's like a feedback loop. When I fail at something, I know more about myself. Maybe 100%. I don't want to do this. Maybe I need to get better at this. So I just feel like talking about knowing what you want to do, I feel like it's very important. I really feel like I should have said, I should say this. For people 100%. to not feel like this impending doom, always. A hundred percent. But and it, it's also kind of okay to not know what you're doing. Or 100%. what you want to do. Because, I mean, as you keep on failing, as you keep on doing more things, you'll start to realize what you don't want to do. And you can start canceling that out and you'll figure it out that way as well, right? Yep. Canceling out is just as important as like, canceling out is one of them for me. And through my experience in my little 24 years of, of, of being alive, canceling out is one of the most important tools you can, you can, you can use to your advantage yeah. to learn more about yourself and to fine tune yourself. 100%. So... Okay, going to your, your timeline now. We're, we're at Inked and then we're at Warehouse, right? Yep. So how was the experience starting off at Chef's Table? So in Inked or in Warehouse? In Inked and right. then Warehouse. So in that general Inked kind of, because really, it's, it's a very different kind of form of, yeah, of, yeah. of culinary. Right? It's a very different, yeah. It's very different because Inked is like a, a shout out to Inked also, uh, a really cool place. Uh, but Inked is not really a chef's table restaurant and it's not, it's, it's not really a restaurant either. It's like Inked is a space with a very good chef. My ex-boss, I love this guy, a- a Chef Adrian, junk food man on Instagram. Uh, this guy, he is like, for me, he's like one of the best chefs in Dubai, one of the best chefs in the region. So they have, they're like blessed to have such an amazing chef and they have a space and they just do different things. They do pop-ups, they do private dinners, they do ceremonies, they do weddings, they do um, like, um, if there's like a, a launch for a brand or like a Givenchy party yeah. or something like this. And then there's Chef's Table. So it's, it was really cool for me because I got to learn a lot of different elements of working in the kitchen that aren't typical or generic restaurant experiences of, hey, I have five orders of that. You know what I mean? So it was really cool because it was like an intensive course of learning a lot of different things. So, I, so I, my position there was sous chef, but honestly, like I kind of see it more as an apprenticeship because I was under like one of the best chefs in the region. And this guy just, he just wanted to take me in and put me under his wing and teach, and teach me, which yeah. I will never... I will never forget that someone has did that for me, you know? And I just want to say one more thing again. I would have never gotten the job at Inked if Rami didn't take a chance on me by working in Mizan. So my, me having a job in Inked is also because of Rami. So thank you, Rami. <laughs> um, no, it's true. I'm, I'm forever indebted to this guy's uh, taking chances on me. Um, but yeah, so we used to do Chef's Table there. It was obviously my favorite because you get to talk to guests. You're very free on the menu. You can create whatever you want. Um, but unfortunately I got fired because of Corona. I mean, yeah. I got laid off. So like, it's fully understandable from, from, from the business side, because mm-hmm. like, you don't know what's going to happen to your business tomorrow, you know? So after working only three months there, unfortunately I got laid off and then me and Rami started talking and somehow we ended up in, he's like, Hey, listen, I have this space and I want to pay off the rent because it's his art storage warehouse. Yeah. I was like, yeah, let's do something. He's like, let's do a restaurant. And we kept on fine tuning the idea. I was like, Rami restaurant doesn't work here. It's too small. 
He's like, what works? I was like, he's, he's like, you used to do chef's tables. I was like, yeah. He's like, would that work? I was like, I think that's the best solution because we can't do a, like a minute orders here because it's too small. And then we ended up just from his side, he just decided that, you know, let's do a chef's table. And we just ended up doing a chef's table restaurant. Then I had the training in that from before. And, 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 and you know, what's interesting again in that is like one, you're learning all these different elements at Inked because it, it really is a multidisciplinary space and, and you're in with this, uh, with the head chef over there. And then you're coming and you're doing this with warehouse as well. But like, there's so many different elements that you're learning because warehouse isn't just food. It's the experience that you're getting throughout the space and, yeah. and everything else that's happening. Yeah, what sure. I love about this, the, the whole story and, and Rami and you as well is, I mean, I'd love for you to kind of speak a little bit about this, but also is what I've noticed over here. I mean, with all of the time that I've spent here, I haven't like a lot of the ideas and restaurants that open up here in general are usually like, we're going to see this in London. We're going to see this in America and we're going to bring this concept here. Right. That's the majority yeah. of it. Only now. I mean, I think it started back a couple of years ago or maybe not a couple, quite a few years ago with Tom and Serge kind of becoming the first kind of restaurant that was opening here. New concept yeah. coming about. Homegrown. Homegrown. Like homegrown concepts. Yeah, exactly. And now we're seeing a little bit more, but like that other tier still exists and is the majority. But see, there's the idea of homegrown and homegrown food. But then there's another layer of innovation that's happening. And I think that you and Rami do, which is taking homegrown to another level completely with the space that you're doing. And then what you do with the food that you create by putting textures, by putting flavors, by putting palettes that kind of traditionally do not combine. But because of who you are and your background and what you do, you're bringing shit from Japan, you're bringing shit from, from, from Syria, you're bringing shit from Dubai, you're bringing shit from Ras Al Khaimah, yeah, and you're putting 100%. all of that together, right? Why is that so important for you, and why do you do that? Because, because so, by, answer, by answering something you said at the beginning of, of this, like, question, you, you, this question you asked, it's going to answer, like, the, the second part of the question. Mm-hmm. So it's like, these, these corporate restaurants, like, like, like Zuma, LPM, Gaia, like I have nothing against these restaurants, actually props to them because these guys have like a, a very strong presence in the market. Their food is very consistent. Their food always tastes good and their food is not creative and they know their food is not creative because they are here to cater to providing, to cater to a market that wants very delicious, consistent menus that stay fixed and uh, in a fine dining setting. And so they are perfectly fitting into the requirements of the market, especially that, you know, there's, it's in there in the IFC. So, you know, business meetings, yeah. things like that, you know? So these guys, like they're, they're almost in a, in a different industry. You know what I mean? And, and I think what these guys do is amazing and huge props to them because logistically it's a nightmare. Imagine serving a thousand co- covers a night. Like, like that's crazy, you know? But for me, that is not where I have ever seen myself. And I don't know if I would ever see myself in an environment like that. Not because I don't, I don't think it's good. I, I think it's very good in its own respect. But I think for, for, for me, what I, what I want is I want to create. You know, I want to create a fine dining experience by creating new food, not by serving already existing established food. You know what I mean? So it's like I have like this massive library in my house. When I, whenever I have money at the end of the month, I don't, I don't like buy shoes or like clothes. I've been wearing the same shoes and clothes for like two years. I, I just buy books. I just buy books and I read books and I read books. And it's like... So I, and I, I'm always on Instagram and I only follow chefs and restaurants. So I feel like I'm in a decent position to understand where food is at in the world right now in different like hotspots, like, like, like Melbourne, like Denmark, like Paris, London, yeah. New York. So, and, and I see what these guys are doing and what these guys are doing is it's, it's amazing, but I want to know how can we create something that is just as creative, just as beautiful, just as delicious. And just as like, you know, like, sticking lights in your brain as these dishes and as these restaurants, but in the UAE, which is still a, 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 a new country with like, you know, like an upcoming country, you know what I mean? And especially Dubai that has been established as like an international city, but it's like now Dubai is like a complete city. Yeah. And how can we add even more creativity to it in, from my side, from my industry, you know what I mean? So it's like, I want to do a homegrown concept where, so to answer the second part of your question, it's like, I want to, cook food using homegrown concepts that using my training in French cuisine and my knowledge because of my obsessive reading in Japanese techniques and cuisine. And how can I combine what I know with the pieces of puzzles 
of like Middle Eastern flavors and even Indian flavors because Indian cuisine is a very big part of what we eat here, you know? 100%, yeah. Like, like paratha, like, like all of the, and all of the spices, you know? Like when I'm hungry, I don't, I don't go to like a, I go to a cafeteria, you know? I go to a Pakistani restaurant somewhere yeah. in Al-Quz. So how can I introduce all these flavors that we're familiar with using my techniques? And I think that that's really important because if I... Like, you know, today I had a meeting with a, with a supplier and they kept on, like, they kept on pushing me to, to taste like their uh, raspberry compotes or their, their strawberry compotes or, or I don't know, all of these like fruits that aren't like, that are, they don't have a, like, they don't have a cultural place in, in this region. And okay. it's like, man, it, 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 these compotes are amazing quality, but th- when I taste them, I don't feel like my childhood, like something I like, ate in a cafeteria in, yeah. in, like in school or in a Pakistani restaurant. It's like when I used to go to fine dining restaurants with my family, like a, in a hotel, in, in a five-star hotel, like somewhere in Dubai or in Europe. And I don't want that. I want to make sure that there is something very familiar in, in, in the flavors of the food. And I think that it's like using mangoes using alfonso mangoes to make sorbets you know like even though alfonso mangoes aren't native to the uae yeah. we all have alfonso mangoes here so when i ser- so actually the inspiration for our palate cleanser which is a saffron mango sorbet was the capricorn and the lacnor uh, and the milko 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 juices that we used to drink in, in school cafeterias or after school as kids you know so if you grew up in dubai and you eat that that sorbet you're gonna go like wow this is a very like refined version but it's it also feels like home i want you to feel like home when you're eating in a restaurant so it's using the knowledge that I know to create the best version of something that we are familiar with and something that has to be creative, something that has to introduce something different and new. And sorry, I'm going to say one more thing to answer yeah. this question because it's something I always say to my girlfriend. It's like about what we're trying to do. I don't like it when people say I want to be different for the sake of being different or unique for the sake of being unique. Like, you know, like I used to do consultancy for places and for really good places. But it's like, sometimes they tell me like, I want something unique. And sometimes when I look at like the concept, I go like, but you don't need something unique. You need something that's classic and amazing, you know? So for me, it's like, something doesn't have to be unique for the sake of being unique. Something has to be different for the sake of you creating something different and giving, a li- giving it a life of its own and letting it go. It's like creating a boat and putting it in the water and just leaving. So it's like, it's about something, it's about creating something new for like, that is truly creative and that is truly new, not so you can stand out. Does that make any yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. It's not. And that's that's definitely what we're, tra- we're trying to do here. That's amazing, man. Dude, last question for you. Yes. This has been awesome. Um, tell you. me about three experiences that have changed your life the most. Three experiences that have changed my life the most. Okay. Uh, I have two. I just want to. Th- I just want to see if I can think of another one that is like very impactful. Um, definitely, I, I don't know if this is the first one. Oh, okay. So this is not an experience. My childhood. My childhood mm-hmm. living in Dubai, being a French guy with a different accent, growing up in like Deira, where I felt like I never fit in, being in like, you know, like, in, I was in Moakib school, which is a very, very, very different school. Like, to like the, like, the, the environment in the school was very different to the environment we had at home. So I always felt out of place. So I feel like my childhood was like a very, very key. The, the, those first like 12 years of my life were very key in making me feel like I never fit in, in where I was, but at the same time feeling like I fit so much in where I was in, mm-hmm. in like this like weird um, way. So I, f- I feel like just being half French, I've seen in Dubai, you know, being raised by a French, a European woman and going to like an Arab school, like that in itself is very defining of who I am, you know? Um, second experience that I would say it's changed my life. And obviously this is the most like empowering and powerful one, powerful in a good, both good and bad way was my mom dying when I was 16. So she died like extremely unexpected. It was actually a hiking accident and it happened in front of me and I was just like a 16 year old kid, you know? So I feel like, and I, and I never, I, I make a point never to talk about it because I never want people to like feel bad for me or go like, oh man, this guy doesn't have a mom, you know? Like, or like this guy, like he saw his mom there. I, I never want this kind of like energy to be introduced into my life. So mm-hmm. I never talk about it, but I never talk about it for another reason, which is even more important, I would say, which is that it, the, the power that not letting the sadness get to you gives you. So it's like, 
obviously being 16 and, and, and losing your mom, like it makes you so sad and to an extent angry at the world, you know, you know what I mean? Cause like, Hey, what did I do? Like, I'm just a 16 year old kid. Yeah. And it's like, it's fight or flight. Either you run away from it for the rest of your life. And you always be like insecure about this very harsh event and insecure about not having dealt with it properly. Or like, I remember I was like, when I, this is two days after she died. I was like, man, I have to look at the situation dead in the eyes and like accept it. And I, I, I cried first day, second day, Second day, I was like, pick yourself up. And I, nev- I, I have literally never cried since about my mom being dead since two days after she died. Wow. And I never allowed myself to feel bad for myself because I'm like, okay, life just threw this huge curveball at me and I have like this near infinite amount of energy that, of anger and sadness, you know, that, that, that my life has, for better or for worse, just thrown at me. And it's like, I ha- this is energy. This is fuel. I cannot use this energy in the incorrect way be- and just be sad and self-loathe forever. So for me, what I do is I... I use all of this sadness and anger as a motivation. Like I, like I just, yeah, it's, it's just like a very big motivation for me. Like I, I'm always like at supersonic speed and, and everything that I do. And I always like try to use all of that anger and sadness to push myself harder. It's like, no, you need to be better. You need to be better. You need to be better. You need to do more. You need to create more. You're not growing fast enough, you know? And I am definitely, my girlfriend would say extremely hard on myself. Yeah, but I feel like you know the best way and the most successful way to live with difficult experiences in your life is to just go like, man, you know what this happened to me, and I have to like try to find a way to deal with it and use this experience, use the lessons I I learned, forward. use the energy to move forward and to guide where I go in the future. So, like, obviously, no sixteen-year-old kid wants to watch their mom die, but it's like. I know that if my mom didn't die, I would, when I was a kid, I wouldn't be so extremely motivated all the time. So like high pace, so high energy. So I need to be the best now. I need to be better now. I need to be better tomorrow, you know? So that's why I say it's like, it's a good and a bad thing, bad for obvious reasons. But the, the, the good part was the motivation it gave me, you know, it's like, it's like, it feels like she was passing the torch, like, you know, take this and now just like sprint for the rest of your life, wow. you know? That's incredible, man. Like the way you, you're yeah. able to put a perspective on that. That's uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Suleiman, so, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. For, for this, this time that you've spent, honestly, like I think, I mean, having known you and, and getting to sit down and getting to know more about you and, 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 and yeah. seeing your journey, I think is, is incredible. And I think so inspirational. Yeah. Um, and like, I would urge people, whoever is in Dubai to kind of go to your restaurant and, and, and see it for themselves, because I really think that the stuff that you're doing and the stuff that Rami's doing and the thing, things that you're doing together is, is, is exceptional. Um, and I think people need to experience it. So dude, power Thank to you. Thank you man. so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any questions, comments, or feedback, please do share them with me. You can reach me at ahmad.saeed at gmail.com. Um, you can reach Suleiman at cutebreadboy on Instagram or myself at ahmadmia, A-M-A-D-M-I-A-A-N. Until next time, take care.